Welcome to the Biz for Good Show, where we highlight misfits, outcasts, and renegades for the being good and doing good movement. We spotlight people that are changing the world by having integrity and honesty and creating an environment of connection, thus showing the true secret to success and creating a life of greater impact. So come on board and create your own Biz for Good life. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Piss Forget Show! I am your host, Bobby Glenn James, along with the Ryan Pilkington in the house. Ryan Pilkington, tell us about the show, Ryan! Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to have a good show today, I can already tell. Doug is a rock star and he's going to have fun with this. He's already he's already shown that he's he's up for the challenge. So, tell us about the show, Ryan. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to the Best for Good show with your host, me and him over there. <laughs> and uh the t- today's show, show title is The Science of Engagement Through Video with Doug Scott. The Science of Engagement Through Video with Doug Scott. Ladies and gentlemen, in the house Live on the remote screen, <laughs> Doug Scott, man. We in the house. I'll give you a peek. That's what he looks like, like right in now. In the house and remote at the same time. <laughs> yeah, in the house and remote. How do you do it? It's called technology. It's a beautiful thing. Don't tell CDC. Don't tell the CDC. <laughs> yeah, when none of us have masks on in our virtual world. We're six feet apart. We're six feet apart. And he's yeah. definitely six feet apart. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, oh, oh! tell us about the show, Ryan. Tell us what's going on. What are we going to do? With yeah, Doug? so Doug Scott is the founder and CEO of Tectonic Video, a leading video agency for nonprofits. His team works with nonprofits across the U.S. and around the world to create award-winning videos that drives results. His work has been featured on the New York Times, NPR, CNN, and Adweek, and is a frequent guest lecturer at Stanford University on the power of storytelling for nonprofit organizations. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We just like to say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, all you listeners out there, Biz for Good Show, please go to the bizforgoodshow.com and get your Biz for Good checklist. Get the checklist and figure out how to do week by week. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Week by week, check out your list of how to be good and do good in your life. We guarantee you it will move you forward in more ways than you could possibly imagine. This uh, whole movement of being good and doing good, if you want the greatest business model of all times, find out how you can do more good with your clients, how to treat your employees better, how to really connect with people, and you will succeed. So that's and go to thebizforgoodshow.com to get your checklist. You can do that perfectly free. Just our give back to you. Oh, yeah. So tell us about the guest, Ryan. I just did. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did. <laughs> it's time I, to get I'm crazy. In, uh, yeah, it's time to get crazy. <laughs> you didn't do enough of it last time. Yeah, I got <laughs> another bio we could go. <laughs> Embellish it a little bit this time. Yeah. yeah. Well, so actually, um, 
Why? Why am I so flustered all of a sudden for some reason? Yeah, oh, I'm pushing the wrong button. There it is. Okay, I got it figured out. I got it figured out. Uh, where? Why? You read? So we Basically, didn't go over the. Here, this is the cool thing. We didn't go over the the uh, questions and stuff. Uh-huh. So so we're like off the hip right now. That's right. Did off you want hip. to? Did you want to put Doug on the spot because he's totally ready and and excited to do something? <laughs> Lessons in leadership. Lessons in leadership. You want you, so Doug, but, but he was prepared for a Google challenge. So maybe was. we'll give him a choice. Ooh, how about this? You want a lesson in leadership, a Google challenge, or, the most or would you like to say your most embarrassing moment? You're lucky. No, no other <laughs> guests get this privilege. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is the first time ever on the Biz for Good show. We're giving you choices. <laughs> that is an honor. My most embarrassing moment is one probably not. Uh, uh, appropriate for this <laughs> setting they never I are they, i wouldn't be remiss to uh share it but uh why don't we do leadership lesson instead for 100 <laughs> i like it <laughs> okay to play in it safe i like that that's good that's good so um in lessons in leadership what we do is we just ask you is there a nugget a tidbit that you can give listeners about leadership and how it's affected you or something that they could do to assist them in their life so take it away doug the best leadership advice that has really transformed me as I've been uh, developing my business is the idea that uh, I'm someone who likes to think through all the possible scenarios of what could happen, really plan things out and get ahead of myself and how I plan things. But I read a great book that's called Action Trumps Everything. And the book said, instead of taking the time to plan out some grand uh, approach or uh, way of doing your business, take a tiny step, get feedback, evaluate, see what people thought about that, then take the next step and the next step. Two, and when you do that, two things happen. Number one, you get momentum, which is incredibly important. You don't get that when you're sitting back and trying to put together the grand plan, the whole business plan of your organization. And so you get momentum. And secondly, you get feedback, which is essential because who knows whether or not the things that you're thinking in your brain have any real standing in reality. But as soon as you get something out there into the world, you begin trying to sell a product or talk to potential customers and figuring out what they really care about, what they really want, that's going to be the way to much more accurately shape your business moving forward than you would have ever come up with sitting in your in your office. It comes off more genuine too. I mean, it's uh, it's more real, the, the connection. I love that. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, it makes me think of another book. It's called like The Charging Rhinoceros or something. It's about action and how to take small steps to get action immediately. I love it. So, That's good. Awesome. I love it. Thanks. Hey, I, I, since we're kind of going off script, we, we're just we're, we're having some fun today. I want to uh, tell us about Doug. We just want to know about Doug. What, tell, tell us some stuff, a story, you know, your life, whatever, whatever you want to tell us. I just want to get to know you. Nice. Cool. Well, the thing I usually start out in at a party, if you want to, uh, like a perfect, yeah, yeah, conversation, yeah. is that I'm a film, film chips, school dropout. Film school dropout. Yeah, my dream was always to be in Hollywood. I loved movies. I loved um, storytelling growing up. I remember as a little kid going every Friday and Saturday to the uh, theater and put my couple bucks down and watching whatever movies, sneaking into additional movies after I paid for my first one. <laughs> what, and, um, 
I just loved it. So everything about my life, I wanted to be a filmmaker. And so uh, I was considering doing that. But from my background and the family I grew up in, I, my dad was a businessman. My mom was a teacher. Uh, you know, it was a little bit of a stretch to imagine myself going off to film school. And so I went more traditional route at first, started to do community college, get some credits down and stuff. And then I really, really kept this dream in my head about wanting to go to film school, started saving up money, had to convince some people to help me out along the way, and then eventually did it. I actually went to film school in Los Angeles, and within three months, I just knew it was absolutely not for me, at least the whole Hollywood thing. Um, this is, you know, I'm not super old, but even 20 years ago, the independent film scene was not what it is today. And the tools were still very expensive. And there wasn't really an avenue to have any kind of career outside of going through the studios. And I just got a very clear picture very soon. Like, that just was not the path for me after all. So I came back from Chicago. I came back to Chicago from being in L.A. and just felt really confused and dejected. And I was sure that it was the right decision, but I didn't know what the next decision was going to be. And so fast forward seven years I fell into doing event production, so live event production for like conferences or um, large gatherings of people, and uh, I was in charge of all of the production elements for it. So it's the arts, like doing some video stuff and overseeing the different technical people. Just got so burned out. That lifestyle is really intense. A lot of long hours and traveling around the country to put on events. Um, so I did it for a number of years, but at the end of seven years, I was really toast. So I went on a trip. I'd always dreamt on going on a trip internationally, but had never really left the country. And uh, when I do something, I usually I tend to go kind of big. So I ended up selling everything that I owned. Mm. So I gave my car away, all my clothes, and anything else I didn't have that much, but anything else I just kind of gave away or sold. Uh, had a, a backpack, a passport, some money in my bank account, and just bought a one-way ticket to Ireland right. and figured that I'd figure it out along the way. I love and, uh, it. I was on the road for a year. I, I was able to make it all the way around the world. Um, and uh, when I came back, I had a very clear idea of exactly what I was supposed to be doing with my life. And that's what I'm doing now. Um, it is helping nonprofit organizations tell their stories through video, through video marketing, to help get more of whatever it is that they need in order to uh, do more of the work that they do. And how I came to that realization was when I was traveling on the road, I didn't. I was trying to stay as, as low to the ground as possible, as cheap as possible. I was couch surfing and sleeping in trains and buses and all kinds of stuff to save money. And when you travel like that, you just start meeting people. And so often the people that I were, was hanging out with and meeting on the road were working or volunteering for nonprofit organizations. And they'd say, oh, hey, you know, uh, I'm over here doing this thing. You want to stop by and check it out? And it was kind of a dangerous thing to offer because uh, I had nothing but time. And so I'd always say yes. And so I would go and hang out with them. And I met some of the most amazing people, people who were uh, working in like a field hospital in Kenya. Uh, another time I went uh, to in, when I was in India to volunteer with uh, Mother Teresa's uh, Sisters of Charity, Missionaries of Charity. Um, wow. In New Zealand, I went and hung out with an arts collective there that did um, you know rehabilitation for people. I've had cognitive dis uh, disabilities and most amazing people, the most amazing organizations doing incredible stuff. 
And then when I went to their websites to learn more about what they did, I was so horrified by how they talked about themselves. It was just so bad, bad. Uh, I mean, if anyone's visited a nonprofit's website recently, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> bad website, bad storytelling, bad photos, bad video. And then somewhere along the line, just this light went off of my head. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. I still love telling stories. Don't want to do the Hollywood thing. But now to help these organizations do more good in the world, I could use video and storytelling to be able to do that. So I came back. I finished up my degree in communications and then started um, Tectonic Video. And Here how, I am. how long ago was that? So Tectonic is now eight years old. Eight years. Eight old. years. You've been living your passion for eight years. I have. And, yes. and, and how has that been? Any regrets? No regrets. That's one thing I can definitively state. Because on a day-to-day basis, no matter how bad the day is, like I just look at what our clients are doing. I look at um, who they are. And it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm helping. I can imagine how rewarding. Good, like you guys do. Like trying to do good. Um, and it always pays off. Even on a horrible day or things aren't going well. Uh, you still have that deep sense of purpose and, and mission in your life. Um, and so that's what I love. I mean, I've got plenty of friends who sell beer and deodorant and whatever else <laughs> uh, working at an agency, and they always will talk to me. I, mean, I, I envy their their bank accounts, maybe. And then they, they always envy, though, the purpose that I feel in my work. So often they're just so discouraged of having to do the kinds of client work that they do. But it's... it's it's, it, I, I don't try and take it for granted. I love the fact that we get to work with exactly who we can work with. So cool. I love it. What do you think, Ryan? I know you got a question in your heart. For I, I Well, I do graphic design, and I've been wanting to get more involved with nonprofits. How would you suggest getting uh, reaching out to these nonprofits and finding finding clients? Well, because you kind of mentioned, you, you said, you know, there's not a lot of money there. Is that is it? it but there is money there. Yes. There isn't. Yeah. So when people, when I first told people about the idea of having a company that made videos for nonprofits, they thought I was crazy because they thought I would just never have any money and it would start, <laughs> I'd starve to death. Um, because uh, there are uh, 1. Point, what it, 1.6 million nonprofits, registered nonprofits now in the United States. Wow. And the vast majority do not have that much money. But with 1.6 million nonprofit organizations, I was banking on the fact that there would be enough that could pay us enough to be able to continue to do the work that we do. So it is a very smaller section of the organ of all nonprofits that are out there um, that uh, you know that we work with. But you know, for those types of organizations, it's a great fit. You know, we're we're certainly much more economical than working with a big agency, and we get nonprofit. That's all that we do, and we. Really, we get to do work that we love and keep the lights on as well. I love it because we talk about niches all the time and how important it is to find the niche that you can focus on and hone in on, be the best basically for, for what you do. Is that kind of how you feel that you've done? You find kind of found your, your home and the place that you can do the most good. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, um, I would hope that we're among the leaders in making video I would never say that we're the best, but, uh, it's a small little niche of making videos for nonprofit organizations. But uh, in doing so, our clients really appreciate the fact that we focus. You know, there's enough difference in making a video for a nonprofit to try and compel their donors or volunteers to get involved or to 
uh, take action on a political campaign that they're doing. Uh, there's enough difference and nuance between doing that and selling a product that they really appreciate. And also the way that nonprofits work is quite different from the way that for-profit companies work. And I used to be a, a chief marketing officer at a nonprofit organization myself. So I come from that world. So I'm very familiar with it and they really appreciate that we focus. So how do you how do you market or what's your pit or how do how do you go to that? How do you find clients? I mean, I think Ryan, that was kind of his question. I'm just curious, how do you hey, you guys, your your story sucks. You're not telling your story good. Let me help you, please, because what you're doing is amazing, but your message is falling short. Is how do how do you do that? So in the nonprofit world, uh, nonprofits run on passion. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, they don't run for, they're not motivated by financial rewards. They're not motivated for, you know, uh, recognition or whatever. They run on passion for the cause that they're in. And so it's hard for me to recommend this, but it's the way that I've gotten, the way that I started out for sure. I just did everything for free starting out. I just volunteered and I would just say, hey, I want, I'll make a video for you guys for free. We do that. Sometimes still, if we come across something that someone on the team is really passionate about, um, or if, uh, you know, if, you know, personally there's something going on that I want to volunteer for, I volunteer. And I can't tell you how many times that has turned into a paying opportunity down the road, but I don't do it for that reason. I do it because I share the same passion that that organization uh, shares. And they sense that. They, like, they, they get it that I get it. And they, that really speaks to them and that. It makes the connection even more um, important, you know, for how we're working together. So for, for you, Ryan, I would instead ask the question, like, what types of things are you super passionate about? What nonprofits are working on those issues and just saying, I'd love to come and help. I can do something for free, maybe to get started. You know, if, if, if it worked out that we could do something that would be paid, that would be great. Um, and at the very least, then you're building up a portfolio that's specific to nonprofit work that could potentially come in useful down the line. Awesome. Yeah. I, the, we, the guests that we just had in, they're doing a walking, walking across America. Uh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. For peace. For peace. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just immediately volunteered for to help them with some, you know, some marketing. So Dude, you're there, man. Yeah. You're, you're, you're living it out. <laughs> living the dream. So I'm curious with that, does that mean if, if the nonprofit comes to you and you kind of don't have a passion for it, have you turned, things down if you turned nonprofit I'm, I'm assuming that that's the passion is everything and so you don't just do this no matter who or what yes there we've turned down many organizations who've come to us it's in those cases we turn them down it's less about passion that might play into it. i don't usually think about it in that way it's more about fit like are they looking for yeah. the thing that we're really good at and that we can really add a lot of value in and secondly, sometimes there are causes that come up that I know my team well enough to know that, um, as you know, uh, there's a great diversity of belief around various issues <laughs> in our world today. In this and day and know, age, more than right. ever, there's a little so, bit of polarity here right now yes, in the world. Yes. And so sometimes some of these causes come to us, and I know off the hand, offhand that some people on my team would be very uncomfortable working on a project for that organization that promotes X. And so that's mostly why we would not um, work specifically with that organization because we're not in alignment around the issue that they're. I love, um, I love that. About. Yeah. 
Um, we, I we found myself working at a place where I didn't agree with their political views, and it was hard to work there. Mm. Well, I'm sure it affected the quality of your work. I mean, no one, no one benefits from that. I mean, you're not doing yeah. the best work that you can do, and they're not getting the best work from you. And so, yeah, we, uh, it's hard to walk away, but I think it's probably the right thing to do. We talk about that a lot on the show. That that you you really, you know, believing in it. In, in the being good and doing good and what what's happening with whatever you're doing is important. It, if we follow the money, eventually we, we will fail or give up. We just will because the money is not the ultimate motivator. It just isn't, even though we think it is. It isn't. So for, for you, Doug, wh- what do you think the biggest uh, key to being good and doing good or the biz for good model that we talk about? What do you think is the biggest key to that? What is there something you can tell? How, What's your thought? My uh, one of my favorite quotes is by a writer named Frederick Buechner, and the quote is: um, "One's calling is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet." Say that again. One's calling, so your calling, is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Ooh. So as you continue to continue to look at, like, imagine the Venn diagram, like those two circles and then that Mm -hmm. overlapping part in the middle. That's the way I was initially picturing it. And that's where I landed on what I'm doing now, because my gladness is in creating, uh, telling stories, telling stories that move people's hearts and that uh, are consequential. Then the world's deep hunger, I I identified as these nonprofit organizations who are doing incredible good in the world. That overlap is where I'm trying to live. So, so the first thing is like, yeah, deep gladness, world's hunger, that meeting place, um, you know, that's uniquely you is your calling. But the thing I think that, uh, we get fed a lot is that your calling is your, um, is your profession or your business when that doesn't necessarily have to be true. And in fact, for a lot of people, it's not true. I think the majority of people, if they find their calling, it's very hard to make a living doing that. It's not a guarantee that your calling would become your business. And so um, I think the thing that people get really frustrated on, they identify their calling and they can't make it a business, they think their calling is wrong. Mm. But really, what if it's just supposed to be two separate things sometimes? And conversely, sometimes people have a calling and they would never even think about making it into a business. They've never really put time in how to think about it. Or like I was saying, you know, taking a small step thinking about uh, how it could turn into a business. Um, and so that was, um, you know, when I, when I started my company, I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know of any other video production company or video strategy company that really focused on nonprofits alone. But I thought I would try and took a little uh, step forward and the next step and the next step. And, uh, and here we are. I love it. That's so cool. Do you, do you think, uh, oh man, I had this really great question that just disappeared from my head. I hate that when that happens. Yeah, oh, it, oh, It'll come back. Darn it. Uh, do you have a question, Ryan? We, we do have to ask the, the inevitable one. We've only got a few more minutes here, but did you have a question? How well, about the one that we were going to ask? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that one. That question, Ryan. <laughs> what does biz for good mean to you? 
Is that the question? No, the second one, because he kind of answered yeah, that one. Yeah, I thought one, he didn't already he? had that. Yeah, one no, now. what's the second question? <laughs> Man. Or no, it, it, I, I'll tell you what, here, <laughs> let, let me help you. So the title of the show, the title of the show is The Science of Engagement Through Video. What can you tell oh, us yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah. The science of engagement through video. Can since that's the title of the show, we always like to have meat in there. Uh, what is that? What's that about? Can you tell us about it, Doug? Absolutely. So uh, I'm amazed at how many organizations have never really put the time into thinking through how to capitalize on their video that they create for their organization. Uh, here's what you should do. If you're asking, I'm glad you asked. Here's what you should do if you really want to understand how your video is effective. Um, let me back up. Very often people will say, uh, you know, it must be really hard to do video for nonprofit organizations because they don't have any money and it costs a lot of money to do video. And I say, yes, it does cost money to do video. And that is what nonprofits say when uh, they say why we don't do video because it's too expensive. But I don't think that's really why they don't do video. They don't do video because they can't quantify the return. If I told you, Ryan, that for $100, you would get $300 next year, would that be a good enough investment for you to be, I could guarantee it, or at least give you with some level of certainty that that would be a good investment on your part. I mean, same thing with video. Like Because they don't put the time into measure, they've never thought through how to be able to quantify what the return is going to be from it. It seems like money down a black hole that they hope you know, if they have lying around a little extra money, they'll invest in video and hope it does something or they'll put as little money into it as possible because they think that they have to do something, something better than nothing. But they don't think that it really would have the return that they could quantify and that would be really helpful for their business. So what we do, we want to make sure that we have that goal in mind. We want to be able to quantify based upon the outcomes that we're able to achieve a business return for the videos that we create for a nonprofit organization. It's we just like any it. business. Yeah. Like any business. And surprisingly, no one thinks about it for nonprofits. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're bringing that basic <laughs> business knowledge to the nonprofit world for, uh, for video. Especially so when you're out, telling a story and you, and you do it in a way that moves and motivates and gets them engaged. There's a huge ROI there that I just, and I'm sure you get it, but they just, they, they need to be taught that the ROI is through a story, you can bring so much engagement. You dollar for dollar, it's probably huge how much connection you get spending money on video. I think so. Yes, we're all in agreement <laughs> on that. <laughs> well, as and business yeah, owners, we we know that yeah. uh, that that is true. It absolutely is true. I think nonprofits, they are so passionate and so engaged with what they're doing. And then when somebody mentions money and stuff, it, it, the, a lot of them that I know, you know, they they get a blinder up or they not a blinder, but they get they kind of get a wall up saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This isn't about money. This is about our passion and our love. But let's face it. Money does move that stuff forward. And nonprofit does not mean you don't make money. That the nonprofit doesn't make money. And we, we've got to – I wish we could change that mindset for the nonprofits because the more revenue that they could make, the bigger the nonprofit can be and become and do. Yeah. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And I think that video, you, you're, you're in the place to change everything for them. How do you tell them that? How do, they, how do you get them to know that? 
Well, I, I throw some knowledge at them is what I try and do to try and help them. I recognize uh, the importance of video. Um, I mean, a number of the things that uh, I share are practically speaking, you know, it takes 60 seconds to read 250 words. But in that same 60 seconds of video, you can show dozens of different images that are rich in color and detail and provide context that would require thousands of written words to communicate. So it's highly efficient. Uh, it's also highly engaging. It's the only medium that combines all the others with image and music and design and text and the human voice. Um, and it also engages numerous learning styles and senses at once to create like an emotionally charged experience for a mass audience that's repeatable and easily shareable. And then uh, the stats, I mean, video is preferred over every other form Everything. of communication. Yes. Yeah, on, on social media, Facebook research just released that a uh, video content People look at that five times longer than static content. So right off the bat, if it's video, you get five x the uh, at least the impression of, of what that content is. Yeah, um, it's also often shared more frequently and generates more engagement overall. Video does, and then another research uh, I came a study I came across shows that when both video and text are available on the same web page, seventy two percent of people watch the video. Rather than read the copy, I'm I'm that person for sure. I am for too. A video to watch. Absolutely. Um, and the last one is, you know, uh, when as as one's preference for video increases, their age decreases. Looking at the looking at the data, so if you really want to reach younger supporters or prospective donors or prospective customers, uh, video is going to be the way that's going to really connect with them more than any other medium. So I really try and convince them uh, our potential clients of these benefits. But then I have to also be able to put up the uh, process by which we're going to measure and demonstrate that what we're doing actually is having impact. Um, so our process for that is we start by benchmarking their organization against their competitors. Although in the nonprofit space, you put competitors in air quotes. They don't think about them as competitors. So I say they're peer organizations. So give <laughs> us the names of some of your peer organizations. We'll scrape all their social media data. We have tools for that. Um, We'll go to their website, look at all the different pages, what kinds of videos do they have, where are they posting their videos, um, and then compare that to your own. So we create a benchmark to see where you, you stack up against your peers. Then we'll do a baseline where we have your viewers, your audience, look at your videos and tell us what they really think. Mm. Um, they'll tell us more than they'll tell you. So let, let us ask them uh, what they really think about your video. And then we're going to show them some of your peers' videos as well. And let, we want them to tell us what they really think about those peers' videos too. We get a sense from a baseline, like a qualitative perspective, how people look at their video. And that's essential because later on down the process, when we're, we're creating new content based upon what people have told us, we want to be able to look at, are we having more engagement on social or in time, time spent, uh, time viewed on these videos than we were when we took the benchmarking and then from the baseline, are we having a qualitative improvement in how people are engaging with the content? We'll go back to the same people that we asked the questions about the videos in the first place and show them the new stuff, have them rate it again and get whatever score back from them as well and see whether we're doing a better job. All those things go a, light, a long way to demonstrating the importance and the efficacy of video in a business context. Love it. Well, I know we 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 kind of have a, a quick break for you. Uh, we thank you so much for being on the show. Can you give us uh, places that people can can find you, connect with your company, all that stuff, some links, all of that good stuff? Absolutely. Best place is to go to our website, 
tectonic.video. Just to throw a curveball at you. It's not.com. <laughs> .video. Tectonic? tectonic? Like tectonic dot. plates? Yes. So <laughs> T-E-C-T-O-N-I-C dot video. Ooh, and you'll find us on LinkedIn. Video. That's right. You find us on LinkedIn too, uh, or just Doug Scott on LinkedIn. You can find me there too. Love Doug to Scott, LinkedIn. Awesome, Doug. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, we love, we love it. We love to see folks with passion and love, and that that know what they're doing and what their mission is in life. And so, thank you for for living that, being that, and and being on the show. We appreciate well, thank you guys you. for doing what you do. I love that there's an entire show dedicated to doing good <laughs> and being good in the world. So appreciate nice. you guys a thank lot. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Ryan, last words. Take us out. Yeah, thanks again. And uh, we'll go ahead and end the show with the hashtag be good, do good. We say it three times. We go louder or crazy on the third time. Yes, louder and louder. Here we go. Hashtag be, be good, good, do good. good do hashtag be good, do good. Hashtag be good, do good. Oh, he's, he's dabbing. He's doing the dab. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Thank you for listening to the Biz for Good Show podcast. We want to thank all our fans and guests on the show. Be sure to check us out on all our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For your hosts, Bobby Glenn James and Ryan Pilkington, this is Tim Jackson saying get out and do some good. Now go. Go.